Hey church, welcome to Frontline Community Church Podcast. My name is Cody Mahaffey and I'm the connections and group pastor here at Frontline in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So our mission here is simple, to see zero people unchanged by Jesus. So whether you've been following Jesus your whole life or your journey has just begun, we hope that this message will help draw you near to the person of Jesus. Be challenged and encouraged by his word and be moved to action. We hope these next few moments are a blessing to you and equip you to see who God really is and who you really are in him. Well, hey, good morning, Frontline. It is so good to see you and to be back with you. I have been gone for the last couple of weeks. Uh, and one of those weeks, I was actually traveling uh, with Frontline down to uh, the country of Guatemala. So it was just awesome being down there. It's fun even just singing today, obviously in Spanish for one of the songs. Uh, just as a reminder that today the gospel is all about the nations. Uh, that's what it's all for. The, the series that we're in right now is Gospel, Good News for Who, and today we're focused on the nations. But just as I was thinking and getting ready for today, uh, a question that came to my mind is, do you ever find it difficult to communicate something in a language that's not your primary language? Have any of you struggled with that before, or, or you run into like uh, a problem or an issue unintentionally? Uh, so while I'm in uh, Guatemala, I had a picture I wanted to show you. We're, we're running around with uh, like 70 different kids uh, for one of the days. So they all came, they bust them in, we're goofing around, having fun, uh, and they came up with a term for me, and the term was gringo gigante, right? Which Brian told me. <laughs> I should write that so you can see, right? So large white guy. That's basically what my nickname was down in Guatemala City. And so we're playing and we're goofing around and we're having fun. But something I've done with kids for as long as I can remember is I do like a fist bump and then like an explosion. You guys, have you seen that? Right? I call it boom, right? There's not a lot to it, right? It's like cross-cultural. It's like, it seems like it should communicate, you know, fist pump. Boom, we move on. Well, their eyes got big, and I was like, oh, they love this. Like, this is awesome. So I, I'm doing it to them and doing it to them and doing it to them. We had like five different teams that we were all a part of. And so my team, I did it to my team probably five times each. I mean, just kept doing it over and over and over. Uh, well, here's what I found out at dinner the next day. It doesn't mean boom in Guatemala. It doesn't mean boom. In, in fact, uh, what our leader Jose told us is he said, David, there's like the middle finger in Guatemala and then there's what you did. <laughs> I said, really? And he goes, yeah, it basically means blank you and your mom. <laughs> and he said, I about died when you did it to some of their moms. I went, well, I will be keeping my hands in my pockets for the duration of our Guatemala trip since I single-handedly offended the entire village of the next generation that we just sang about, and their children, and their children, and their children, and all God's children. You ever find it difficult to communicate something in a different language, a different culture? It would be so much easier to never try. So much easier just to stay where you're at, not say a word, keep your hands in your pockets. Man, I, I just pictured the, the translation that Jose, you know, our, our leader was saying, like, I know, and he's an American pastor, you know? How disappointing. As we're talking about baptism today, as we're talking about the gospel, good news for the nations, Matthew 28 is what sticks out to me. It starts off like this, Matthew 28. Then Jesus came to them and he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all, say it with me, of all nations, 
and then baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The gospel that Jesus has preserved for us as the church today has always been meant to cross borders. It's always been meant to cross nations. I mean, in fact, to be obedient to the gospel of Jesus Christ means we are going to be taking that gospel across nations, across languages, across spiritual borders, across cultural borders, across every border known to man. The gospel penetrates all borders. It's been the purpose and the intent since the very beginning. Even in Genesis, God spoke to Abraham and he said, I'm going to create a people out of you and you will be a blessing to all of the world. I'm going to bless the world through you. The gospel at its core is good news for the nations. You can imagine frustration that maybe Jesus had when he was talking to the religious leaders of his time. When they said, Jesus, prove to us that you are the Messiah. Prove to us you're the savior of the world. Prove to us that you're the son of God. Give us a sign. And Jesus, his response to them uh, was actually quoting or referencing a passage of scripture that many of you have probably heard about before, but maybe not even studied in a a context like this here at church. Jesus says, you want a sign? I'll give you a sign. Uh, The sign of Jonah. That's my sign to you. You would know if you saw me, that I was the king or the king of the world, the son of God, you would know that I am him based on the sign of Jonah that I already gave you in the Old Testament. So I wanted to take you back. I wanted to read through some parts of Jonah to illustrate and to get after what Jesus was trying to communicate to the religious leaders of his time, to the, to the Jews of the time, to this movement that Jesus started called Christianity. I want to point to you what Jesus was actually getting after with Jonah. So Jonah chapter 1, verse 1, it says this. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh. Side note, Jonah did not think the city of Nineveh was great. Jonah hated it. He hated the Ninevites because they were a brutal people. They were a wicked people. The the feud and the division between the Ninevites and Jonah's people, I mean, it was deep, so deep. There was a hatred that fueled over and over and over. But God said, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. So a lot of us don't know where these places are. This doesn't mean a lot. You see Tarshish. You're like, is that tartar sauce? Nope. Tarshish is a totally different city, but let me show you a map, right? Here's Joppa. This is where Jonah was. God said, I want you to go to Nineveh. And Jonah said, no, thank you. I'll buy a bus ticket. I'm leaving. See you later. So he gets on a ship, he takes off, he runs for his life from the Lord going, and this is funny, think about this. Jonah, I would rather see my enemies suffer and die than go to preach a message that might give them the possibility of being saved. That's how much he hated Nineveh. That's how much he didn't care. That's how much he was content with the divide. And yet I want you to see God's heart for the nations here. I want you to see his heart for going after people, for going through and over and overcoming every single border known to man to go after a people that was wicked and far from him because of God's overwhelming love for them. Verse 13, it keeps going on like this. 
Uh, so they encounter a storm. The storm gets so bad that Jonah and his men are, are wondering, like, are, are we going to survive this storm? So, so Jonah says, throw me over. That's what will stop the storm. And it says this, instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Don't hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and they threw him overboard and the raging sea grew calm. I mean, you can imagine the scene, right? Like everybody's freaking out. They're throwing stuff overboard. And then all of a sudden they throw Jonah overboard and everything goes back to normal. You start wondering, who in the world was this guy? At this, the men greatly feared the Lord. They offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. What an opportunity for reflection. <laughs> you know, what was that like? What is he thinking through? What I want you to catch, I mean, even just where we're at in this story with Jonah or with Nineveh, I, I want you to hear not just the heart that God has for the nations, but the heart that God has for Jonah to share his heart for the nations. It would have been very easy for God to go, and Jonah is no more. We wouldn't read about him. We wouldn't know his story. He, he'd be chalked up to another person that God said, this is what I want you to do. They said no, and then they disappeared. But God's desire to reach the people of Nineveh, it's the exact same heart of God to reach people like us today. It's his desire. He looks at us and he sees the wickedness. He sees the brokenness. He sees the pain. He sees the sin. He sees the division and the barriers. He sees all of it. And therefore, what he does is he takes his people, his followers, his children, and he invites them on the journey to bring his gospel, which just means good news, to bring his gospel to them. Because God's not sitting up in heaven waiting to destroy. He's not waiting to throw a lightning bolt. He's not waiting to rain sulfur down from heaven. God's desire as he sits in heaven, as he, as he looks at our world, is to bring healing and hope and restoration and peace to the places that are broken, to the places that write him off, to the, to the places that turn their backs on him. And what God is doing with us as a church is inviting us to be a part of that rescue mission to go after the lost, to go after the broken, to go after the disappointed and the estranged so that God can restore that which is broken. So why today are we doing Orphan Sunday and baptism? The reason we're doing Orphan Sunday and baptism is this, because God is still calling Jonah's to the nations. You know, Janith mentioned the number of orphans that exist uh, in our world today. Let's talk about the nations, too. Right now, there's 195 countries in the world. With 195 countries, there's 7,100 different languages. There's 17,428 different people groups that currently exist today. Many of them are unreached with the gospel altogether. If we talk Orphan Sunday, I mean, Janice said there's 150 million orphans all over the world. In Kent County, there's 10,000, uh, or in Michigan, excuse me, in Michigan, there's 10,000 kids in foster care. Many of them are from the nations. 
Many of them are from different countries or different parts of the world. Many of them are from our own backyard, from our own families or our own friendships or the people who live in our neighborhoods. Right now, I, I saw this list too. There's 200, uh, there's 200 children right now that are waiting for adoption in our county. 200. The reason we've married Orphan Sunday and Baptism Sunday is it's, it's the same message. We were all orphaned before a relationship with Jesus. We were all vulnerable. We were all alone. We were all lost, kind of meandering through whether it's life or figuring out purpose or trying to deal with the brokenness or the sin or the pain or the separation that we have with God. And then because God in his goodness and his grace sends Jesus to go after us, he, he went after the orphan just like he went after the nation. doesn't matter what barrier or what boundary existed. God was so set on overcoming every single one of them so that you and I might be able to step into the body and the community of faith. So God wants to see the nations saved. The question we have to wrestle with is, do we want the exact same thing? Do we want the same thing? Or have some of us maybe allowed what's going on in the world or what's going on in other nations or what's going on in, in just the brokenness of the day and age that we live in, have some of us just allowed that to, to maybe we just take a step back? We said, it doesn't really matter if I have a heart for the nations or not. It doesn't matter if I'm a part of visiting other cultures and nations or learning other languages or furthering the gospel in these places. Even like Janith talked about with Ukro. Ukro is so special to our church's history. It's in Ethiopia. It is a partnership that just Frontline has with a very specific village in Ukro, Ethiopia. And so when we sponsor a child, we, it, it's not just about money, but money opens doors. Money creates opportunities for education. Money creates opportunities for clean water, which is, has been established even in their community because of the giving here at Frontline over the last few years. But, but it also opens the door. When you have other physical needs that are met, you, the door then becomes open for you to meet some spiritual needs that exist in the community. You know, we're we're going to do a trip this coming year in 2023 out to Ukro, Ethiopia. If you have a sponsor child or if you want to see how some of your dollars are at work making a difference in the world, you could go. You could be a part of that. But what we learned even on Guatemala, and I, I've been to, I think, six or seven different countries around the world. What, what I learn every time is the nations don't need our money. They really don't. If that's a, a sticking point for you, you go, I don't want to do that. This is a pitch, whatever. It's, it's not. What, what the nations need, what people need is your relationship. They need your heart. You know, God didn't call Jonah and he, he didn't say, write a, write a check and send it over to Nineveh because that's all they need. He said, no, no, I, I'm sending you to Nineveh. I want you to be there. I want you to look them in the eyes. I want you to meet them as people. I want you to see them the way that I see them. God's heart for the nations and his heart for the church today is to do the exact same thing. He, he wants his heart, his burden, his pains for people that are far from him, both abroad and local. God wants his heart for them to also be your heart.
That's his deep desire. Without a mandate for the nations, we miss the gospel entirely. After Jesus resurrected, if we fast forward, we'll go to Acts chapter 10. In Acts chapter 10, uh, there's this really unique situation with the apostle Peter. So Peter, if you don't know, just to catch you up, Peter was one of the apostles of Jesus. He was one of those 12 disciples that traveled with him. And Peter had a knack for, uh, for getting some stuff right and some stuff wrong. Okay, so far, Peter's the only character in Scripture and the only character I've ever heard of uh, that Jesus both said, I'm going to build my church on you and get behind me, Satan, in like the same breath. So this is Peter. Peter doesn't always get it right, but there, there's this, this scene in Acts chapter 10 where Jesus had already risen. He'd already ascended. So he, he had left his disciples with the mandate that we just read in Matthew 28 that says, go make disciples of all, say it with me, all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. So this happened already, right? That took place. Peter was convinced that the gospel was meant to stay divided and separate. He was convinced of it to the point that he said, you know, Jews interact with Jews and then Gentiles, which are non-Jews, interact with Gentiles. We don't mix. We don't cross. We don't overcome those borders. We don't do any of that stuff. We're, we're meant to stay separate. That's the way our world is set up. That's the way our culture functions. Therefore, the gospel must function the same way as well. But God had different plans for Peter and for the church and for you and I today. So it says Peter was on the roof. He was praying and he had a vision. And this vision, it was like a sheet that came down, and there were a bunch of animals on there that Jews would not be able to eat. And basically, what the Holy Spirit said to Peter in that moment is, go ahead, kill and eat. Peter, eat it. And Peter goes, no way. I'm not doing that. That's unclean. That's broken. That's bad. That, that if I touched that, or if I eat that, or if I consume that, if I would overcome that barrier, I will be tarnished. And basically how this vision goes and what the Holy Spirit says is, Peter, don't you dare call unclean what I have decided is clean. Basically what God is saying, right, to Peter in this vision is, there is meant to be a barrier that is overcome between people groups, between nations, between Jews and Gentiles. Newsflash for all of us, we would fall in the Gentile category. We would not be the ethnic majority of the movement of Jesus at that time. We, we would be the outsiders. So while God and Peter are having this interaction, something else happens is God stirs the heart of a God-fearing man named Cornelius, who was a Gentile. He was a non-Jew, but he was praying. He was giving to the poor. He was seeking the Holy Spirit. He, he was saying, man, I, God, I just want to honor you and serve you. And what God did is God sent him over to Peter. So they have this weird interaction and relationship with one another. And what I want you to see is how the scales of the eyes here, to use a, an analogy, how the scales fall off of Peter to see what God was trying to do between two different nation groups. Let's read the text. It says this, Then Peter began to speak, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every, say it with me, nation, nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Jesus had been stirring in Peter's heart for three and a half years when he was with him to show that the gospel is for all the nations. 
It's for all the world. It's for all people, right? So often we look, we, we look horizontally and we forget the gap that exists vertically between God and us. It's a sin gap. The nation's gap is what God is calling us to bridge, to go after, to reach other people who feel distant or separate or divided from what God could do in their lives. God says, no, no, no I'm sending you after them. I'm sending my church after them. But it keeps going. It says this. Then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. So what happened was, is Cornelius and his whole household are all in the home and Peter is there. And as Peter is saying, going, man, I was wrong. What God said was right. And as I see the work of the Holy Spirit, what, said, what happened was it said the Holy Spirit was poured out on the entire group, the entire family within the house. Many of them started speaking in tongues and Peter goes, I can't deny this. I can't deny that, that the gospel here penetrates even nations, even cultures, even religious barriers, Jews versus Gentiles, insiders versus outsiders. But he says this, they've received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. So you might be wondering, like, what, what does this have to do with today? What does this have to do with baptism? If I could summarize all of this, if I could summarize Jonah, and if I could summarize Cornelius and Peter, the, the message is this, God is still calling Jonah's to the nations. He has still called all of us and invited all of us to take the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ across all barriers, across all gaps, uh, to all nations and tribes and tongues, every barrier that exists, the mission that God is on has not changed since the beginning of the world, and it is to bring you and me the good news of Jesus. As I visited every nation that I've been to, I think six or seven, like I mentioned, every single one of those, I've been at Christian church services within them. And the question always comes to my mind is like, who brought that here? Who was it that God impressed on? Who was it that God sent? Who was it that God built a relationship with through a child sponsorship? Or who was it that God sent through a missionary? Who was it that God sent through a business partnership? Who was it that God sent from his church to go into different parts of the world that otherwise wouldn't be accepting to the gospel or wouldn't be accepting to foreigners that, that would be just as content to live in a segregated and divided life? Who was it that God tapped on the shoulder just like he did Jonah and sent them to bring the good news of Jesus. Who was it? Who did God send? You know what happens in Jonah? Jonah chapter 3, it says this, verse 6, when Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, he took off his royal robes, he covered himself with sackcloth, and he sat down in the dust. You know what that means? When the king of Nineveh heard the good news of the gospel, he was wrecked for his whole people. And he tore his robes in an act of humility and he sat down and he said, I'm not king, Jesus is king. 
that we were wrong, that, we, that we've turned against God, that we've been wicked. There was a conviction that came when Jonah was obedient to the prompting that God gave him, that God put on his life to send him to the people of Nineveh. And as the king goes, so goes the people. And it says this at the end, when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction that he had threatened. You see the heart of God? I don't know how you perceive God. I don't know how I perceived him much of my life. Uh, maybe you can relate to this. It's the, the performance-oriented, you know, as long as I behave, as long as I do the right things, as long as I don't sin, as long as I can check enough boxes, even some of that Catholic background mentality of like, as long as the end of my life, the good outweighs the bad, Maybe I'm good with God. That, that was a lot of the understanding that I grew up with, even in the church. And it wasn't even until adulthood, right? When I, when I went to Grand Valley, I was in college, I started wrestling with what, what is the gospel really? What is the message really that's been preserved for thousands of years that the church has been on, that the church has been sharing over and over and over? And the message is this, without God, we are broken. We are separate from him. We are lacking. We, we have nothing. We're orphans drifting through world looking for something and often finding nothing. Without him, we are nothing. And then here's the gospel, right, is Jesus saw us in that state knowing that we couldn't fix that, knowing that we couldn't overcome the barrier, we couldn't fix the sin gap, we couldn't overcome the spiritual barrier or the distance between us and God. We, we were helpless in our form, and Jesus said it was at that moment that I moved toward you. Not because of what you did, but because of what he did. And so he went to the cross, and he died on the cross, and he said, I see you at your worst, and I'm so moved with love for you. That there's nothing in this world that could separate my love for you. There's no sin you could do. There's no divorce. There's no addiction. There's no sin that maybe you've carried for a long, long time. There's no shame. There's no guilt. There's nothing that could separate you and me. Jesus bridged it. He did it on the cross. And so the good news that we preach and the good news that we share and the good news that we steward as followers of Jesus is this, that same gift that God extended to Nineveh, that same gift that God extended to the Gentiles, the non-Jews in the time of Jesus and right after, the same gift that God has stewarded through his people, through his church since the very beginning is actually still available today for you. So why do we celebrate baptism? I mean, what's so funny about Jonah is Jonah was in the belly of the fish for how long? Three days, three nights. Sounds a lot like Jesus, doesn't it? Jesus said, you want a sign? You want to know that, I'm, that I am the Messiah? You want to know that I am who I say I am? Look at Jonah. Jonah went into the water. He was swallowed by the fish. He was consumed by death for three days. And at three days, that fish spat him out just like the grave spat out Jesus. Three days later, Jesus comes out and he goes, death has nothing on me which means everything that's attached to death in your life, every sin, every brokenness, every pain, every addiction, every wrongdoing, every single thing that is attached to death, Jesus said, I broke it. And so what he commands us to do as his followers, 
is to be baptized. So that's why we're gonna just give you an opportunity today. Some of you have signed up already, just like Amanda said earlier, some of you haven't, but maybe you haven't made a decision to be baptized as an adult. The decision to be baptized as an adult is an act of obedience. When Jesus said, Matthew 28, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. It's an act of obedience to say, Jesus, I'm gonna allow the act of baptism, the sacrament of baptism to be a representation of what you have done inside of me. That you, you allowed the things that have killed me to come back to life in the person of Jesus. When we get baptized, what we celebrate is that God continues to do that today. So maybe it's your time. Maybe you need to respond. You know, I I wrestled for years and years and years. I went to church service after church service, and I felt this. I was baptized as an infant, and I remember thinking, God, I I, didn't it count earlier? Do I need to do it right now? God, what's the reason? What's the point? What's the purpose? Man, and as I wrestled and wrestled and wrestled, the reason and the point and the purpose was this. David, you need to get in front of a group of people, which is the church. And it's not a West Michigan church. It's not just a frontline church. It is a global church made up of every nation and tribe and tongue all around the world. And the thing that unites us all together is the person of Jesus and his death and resurrection. And so when we become a part of that body, when we become a part of that church, we celebrate baptism, but we do it too. Jesus went first and it's our job to go second. So in just a second, I'm going to invite you uh, as we step into this next song. Um, you can stand up and just move over here. Come on up and do it. We, we got t-shirts and sweatpants and we, we, we got stuff to hook you up so you're not walking around freezing outside. We'll help take care of you. Don't do it for a t-shirt. Don't do it for sweatpants. We'll buy those separately if you need one. But do this as an act of obedience. Pay attention to the prompting in your heart. I know that as a church, we are cheering for you and rooting for you and excited for you as you take this next step with Jesus. Here's the last story I'll just say just as we close. Um, as we closed out our time in Guatemala a week and a half ago, one of the places our, our leader took us, his name's Jose. Jose's been in Guatemala. He grew up in Guatemala and he's been doing ministry there for, I think, 17 years, something like that. And he's developed a lot of different relationships from within the community. And the community that we were in for this trip in particular was not a great community. Very broken, very impoverished, lots of gang activity. And so he looked at us and he said, guys, we were invited to go play basketball. And uh, you know my title, right? Gringo Gigante. Uh, I was like, I'm feeling pretty good about going to play basketball in a nation where I'm taller than everyone. And he went in and and he said this, he goes, guys, I'm not gonna tell you it's not dangerous. He goes, the the people that invited us to come play were the the ruling drug lords and gang members of this particular area of the community. So he goes, you don't have to come, but you, it's a pretty unique opportunity that we have. And so we want it, we walked in, this is what it looked like, right? We're we're kind of deep nestled into this community. There's kind of walls all the way around. We played basketball, we got smoked. Uh, they play with different rules. That's kind of what I'm landing on. They play with different rules there that work against someone my size. 
But as we're in Guatemala, um, we play two games and then the, the leader, the drug lord, right? The guy that's running this sect of the gang in Guatemala pulls Jose aside and he looks at him and he says, I need to tell you something. I mean, this, this guy's killed people. This guy's overseeing an active operation. He looks at Jose and he goes, I believe Jesus is Lord. I believe it. And he starts wrestling with, I don't know what I'm supposed to do though. I'm stuck. I'm stuck for my family. I'm stuck for my wife. I'm stuck for my kids. People are going to go after them. But he goes, I, I can tell you this because I believe believe he's Lord. How in the world did the gospel, the gospel get to the heart of a man who's in an active operation of drugs and gang violence and brokenness? How in the world did the gospel get there? It's because people, people like you and me, people like Jonah, they can just be obedient and say, okay, God, I'll, I'll do what you want to do. I'll be obedient to you. So I don't know where you're at. I don't know what your story is. I don't know what you're wrestling with. I don't know if you're like him and you're, you're try, trying to wrestle with what are, what are the repercussions if I do this or don't do this. Here's what I would say. Jesus is still king. Jesus is still Lord. Jesus can set you free from the brokenness and pain and sin and, and distance that you have from God. But when you allow him into your heart, Jesus can resurrect even the deadest of things. He demonstrates it and he did it over and over and over again. And so today, we're going to celebrate him doing that in people in this community. Sound good? Cool. So let's do this. Stand up wherever you're at. Let me pray for us, then we're going to dive in. Father, we just uh, thank you for the person of Jesus. We thank you that we get to celebrate life change. We thank you that Jesus defeated death, defeated brokenness, defeated pain, defeated sickness, defeated guilt and shame, defeated the spiritual brokenness that exists. And so God, right now, what we want to do is we just want to celebrate you. We just invite you through your Holy Spirit just to fill this space, to fill this room, that you would give courage and boldness to everybody in this room that just remembers what you accomplished on their behalf. It wasn't what we did, it was what you did. And so as we celebrate baptism today, God, I, I just pray that you would continue to send Jonas to the nations, that you would send Jonas to the gangs, even here in Grand Rapids, that you'd send Jonas to the marketplace, you'd send Jonas to the schools, and Jonas to the universities, Jonas to the healthcare industry, Jonas uh, to the neighborhoods, Jonas to our community, deep in the city and the outskirts of it, to our nation, to our politicians, to the world, God, would you keep raising up Jonas? And I pray, God, that we would be marked by our obedience to you. So we love you. We're grateful for you. We just lift all of this up in Jesus' name and all God's people said together, amen. We hope this message encouraged you to know who God is and who you are in him. If you want to take a next step, visit frontlinegr.com next. We look forward to connecting with you there and we'll see you back here next week.